you know, having my finger on the pulse and reading the zeitgeist, I think that social media is going through a monumental change. And that's because people are sick of cold selling on social media. They're sick of pure marketing on social media. They do not care about brands pushing product, about uh, consultants pushing services. So that was just one of the many incredible things that our guest of this week said on this week's podcast. And honestly, it was a masterclass in motion. Um, We were literally on the edge of our seats waiting for the next gem for him to throw at us. And, you know, we're really excited for all of our listeners, whether you're in social or not, to have a listen to this podcast. I feel there's going to be tremendous value taken out from this. And uh, it it was a heck of a show. What would you say, Ellie? Yeah, no, DG hit on great points in regards to cold selling on social, people being starved for real connection. And as we talk about starvation for real connection, although we're not face-to-face on social, it is a great database. It's a digital space for people to connect and people to learn about new products. And you're going to hear that all on Talk That Talk, how to build trust, how to learn about new and emerging brands, all right here on today's show. Absolutely. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. This week's guest is DG, the global head of social media at Coca-Cola HBC. Enjoy. All right. When you are the group head of social media at Coca-Cola HBC and you have over 129 brands under your portfolio, social media is definitely going to be a major part of your marketing strategy. And that's who today's guest is. DG, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing very well, Anthony. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, man. We're going to jump right to it. And I took a look at, at your background. Um, you started your career in production, which is funny. Similarly, I did as well. Um, but how has the rise of digital media and social media led to your shift in career and your interest in working primarily now in social media? Yeah, it's it's an interesting story, actually, because I was, well, I was trained as a journalist in London eight years ago, and that's how I started my career. Uh, and I was a journalist at Reuters, and then I was a journalist at Sky News. And while I was at Sky News, I was editing their uh, entertainment page on the website. So I was sort of their entertainment reporter, their movie critic, their website editor, so a bit of a jack-of-all-trades. But what I sort of realized was um, the articles that I was writing, the opinion pieces, the, the movie reviews, once they got distributed to social media, they went not just to a different team, but to a different physical part of the room that we had no contact with. So the actual newsroom worked a little bit in silos. So you had the social media team on one side, then the digital team on the other side, and there wasn't any communication really. So the reporters wrote their pieces as did you know, the, the, the pundits, and then the social media team just did whatever they wanted with them. And because of that lack of communication, I I figured we're not really distributing our content the best possible way because authors will be proud of the pieces they've written, like I was of my movie reviews and of my opinion pieces. And they will have, if you let them, they will have they will give their special take 
on the distribution part, on the social media promotion side of it. So what I did was I sort of bridged those two silos together. I started building a relationship with the social media team. And that involvement uh, through time uh, transformed into a beautiful friendship. And, uh, and eventually I got hired to sort of run their day-to-day operations uh, on the social media desk. And that was how my foray into social media began. Well, you definitely have an expertise in social media, which whether you started there, that's where you've landed. And I saw a recent tweet that you that you tweeted. Um, you said, stop looking at social media as just a marketplace and start treating it as a place of dialogue and community building. Can you elaborate on, on that point? I can. I think I consider myself a, a pretty intuitive guy. And I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but my intuition and uh, from a lot of the data from reports from Edelman and from Deloitte and, you know, having my finger on the pulse and reading the zeitgeist, I think that social media is going through a monumental change. And that's because people are sick of cold selling on social media. They're sick of pure marketing on social media. They do not care about brands pushing product, about uh, consultants pushing services. They do not care about depolarization, uh, you know, opposing views and and uh, disrespectful dialogue and eco chambers. All of that is kind of it's a it's a sort of a five years uh, in the past Twitter climate that I don't think fits within the zeitgeist anymore. I think people are starved for real connection, for community, for support. And I think that social media is actually the perfect platform for that. Now, we all have, I believe, a part to play in making social media a better space for all of us, Uh, not just as marketers, but as business leaders, as companies, uh, as communicators, and as, you know, lurkers we're all part of this social media ecosystem and we all have a responsibility to make it as friendly and supportive and inclusive as possible so i think there's an opportunity for brands here too because unlike uh the days of um of, of you know of your where you kind of saw social media as a marketplace now you you actually have the opportunity to build a community with your employees, with your customers, with ultimately even your investors, because they're on social media too. And that community is, in the end, what will uh, you know make or break the success of your company, whether it's big or small. If it's small and you're just starting, then it's a golden opportunity. If you're a, a, you know, a multinational giant, you just need to take a step back, I think, and uh, reevaluate how you do social media and how you deal with your communities online. You know, you said something that that really stuck with me and it was people are sick of cold selling on on social. Um and I I couldn't agree more, right? I think the the lack of authenticity is super obvious, especially you know, in some of these more popular industries um where, you know, it's it's really surface level right and i think a lot of the things we've seen about social the negative side and you know that one documentary that came out where you know people are are dealing with 
you know, self-esteem issues and, and other very serious problems because of the facade that's expressed through social. And, you know, I think there's a, a very large responsibility on, you know, not only major brands, but also very influential people. Obviously, you know, Ali and I are, are here at, at Central Entertainment Group, and we really focus on, you know, influencer and connecting brands. So I, w- I would love for you to really expand more on on that side, uh, that side of code selling on social and, and people being starved of real connection. Yeah, I, I, I do think that, I mean, first of all, we need to realize something that I think most marketers tend to forget is that no one is on social media to buy a product, right? I mean, no one goes, no one wakes up and goes like, oh, I need a sweater. I'm going to go on Twitter or, you know, I need a sweater. I'm going to go on Instagram. Like that doesn't happen. That's not the, if, if they want a specific product, they'll go directly to your website or they'll go to your physical store. But no one is on social media with the purpose of buying a product. Now, they might buy a product that you're selling or they might buy a service that you're selling. And there are opportunities there for sure. But they do it after you've built a relationship of trust with them. They will only do it if they trust the person or the brand that's on the other side. Because there's there's always the other side, right? Unlike the website where it's a platform for you to choose a product. Social media is a conversation, it's a dialogue, it's a community. So there's always, there needs to be that relationship of trust there before you try to convince and convert, right? And I think, I think ultimately- I really like that little, that little plug for Jay Bear and Adam Brown. Did that you was like a great that? job. I caught on that. <laughs> I know Jay's going to really appreciate that. Good. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Jay. I always, I, and I like the name. It, it's Same here. Me, yeah. But you know what, real quick, if I can jump in, you know, mm-hmm. I think there there's an opportunity to identify why why this is happening, right? Why are brands consistently focused on trying to sell, right? And missing the whole purpose of social, which is to build a community that's engaged and you're bringing true value and you're connecting people, you know, of, of a common interest and you're inspiring. You know, we spoke about this on our last show with John Steven Stansel, just what what's the missing mark there? Is it because of pressures from, you know, investments and, um, you know, board of directors? What would you say that's that what the reason is? I think it comes from an old mindset that has now become ingrained in most organizations, big and small. And you're right, it does come from the top, from a certain unawareness of what's happening with social media right now. And people Short callers and the leadership and senior leaders in in big companies tend to be very much profit driven, right? And especially when you go onto marketing teams where social media traditionally sits, marketing teams are built of marketers, and marketers are there ultimately to market products, right? Because that's their that's that's their old mindset. But what's happened clearly and, what's, and what will continue to happen in the coming years is that social media is going to pivot away from marketing and it's going to become a cross-functional uh, department, right? Something that should serve everyone in the company from the C-suite to procurement, to HR, to comms, to marketing, to sales. So everyone should have a use for social media and social media should become almost like an internal consultancy uh, for everyone who needs 
the expertise or the listening tools or even the the the, the peer-to-peer communication that happens on social media. I mean, that that is magic to my ears. And I know from my experience, um, something that I've, I've preached about social being more cross-functional instead of it being mm-hmm. maybe a silo or a little peg under the, you know, comms team or, you know, the marketing team or even the media team. Um, so just, just to, to circle back a little bit, though, you know, with the brands that are, are going about it in a very cold selling way like like we're saying you know obviously there's there's a reputation that that you're trying to to build on social um what would you say it takes for a brand that maybe is going from being super polished and hard sell on their product to changing their 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 perspective to be more positive and more community driven well i guess first of all you need to you need to change the way you um you need to change your metrics, right? You need to 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 move the needle from, you know, reach and impressions and likes and shares and all those vanity metrics that we're familiar with, and even follower growth. You know, I keep for every company I arrive, I always get the the. It's funny the 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 biggest sort of um, win for senior leadership is, oh, we've grown X amount of followers on our Facebook page. Or we've grown X amount of followers on our LinkedIn, and this for the, because this is a real easy metric to look at, right? They go like bigger, better, more people, more reach, more brand awareness, more opportunity to sell product. But what they don't quite realize, and what I try to, to explain, is that actually that means very little because although you've got all these followers, unless they're engaging directly with your brand and unless they, you're building meaningful connections, then I mean, most likely they're not even seeing what you're putting out there and they're certainly not engaging with you. So you're not building any connection there. And ultimately they won't buy your product because they have no relationship with your brand or your company or your uh, salespeople. So it's it's back to the old, you know, to what Seth Godin calls the, the smallest viable audience, you know, the, the audience of one that, you know, focus on your niche, focus on what actually, on, on those people that can become your tight-knit community of brand advocates, focus on them first, and then trust that they will uh, spread the word and they will become your micro-influences, which, as far as I'm concerned, have a much bigger part to play in the years to come than the big celebrity influences. You know, it was, it, it was funny. I was hearing Gary Vee talk uh, in a podcast not too long ago after the Super Bowl, and he was talking about the Super Bowl ad with Larry David. And there was this conversation about, oh, wasn't that a great ad? And he said something like, it was a great ad. I remember Larry David. I don't remember what brand it was. And that's and that and, and it's true. You know, celebrity influences, you tend to remember the celebrity influencer, but you're left scratching your head 90% of the time as to what exactly were they trying to sell there. You know, what 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 company were they were they speaking for? So it helps the celebrity influencer ultimately more than it helps the company. So you have to you have to look at influences in a more micro level. People with perhaps uh, you know less um, less of a public profile, but who are more strategic for what you're trying to accomplish on social media. Who perhaps are a big voice in the communities that you're trying to tap. 
Is that yeah? You, yeah, you, yeah I'm, 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 I'm looking at you and you're nodding, so I, I'm, I'm going to take that as a positive. Well, you, you say micro influencers, which is really the bulk of our business at CEG. How can we plug in talent to be those digital storytellers, those modern day sellers, as I call them, on social media? And so, social media, as much of a sometimes negative connotation as the platform can have, you can build community and build trust, which, which is what I want to parlay into my next, my next thought. So the brands that are using Instagram and TikTok and YouTube as a method of sales. Of course, we're driving sales and impressions to their social, which then lead them to their e-commerce website or a coupon that can, they can perhaps use in, in a retail store. And you hit on something um, that I read recently, that there's a difference between getting sales and getting clients. So what makes mm -hmm. a consumer want to continue to come back and repeat that purchase versus that, you know, that one-time person that, oh, I saw that on social media. That looks cool. I'm going to impulsively purchase that. Can you can you explain the difference between a buyer and a true client? Yeah, and I think you've you've sort of hit the nail on the head there because, and this is something that I keep that I keep you know trying to explain to 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 uh, more senior uh, members of of the companies I've worked for. It's it's that there is a difference, a real difference between you getting a sale because you've done a targeted ad. And by the way, I read something really funny today, which was uh, that you're more likely, this came from LinkedIn Marketing Solutions, so I'm, I'm just going to take their word for it, that you're more likely uh, to uh, be trained as a Navy SEAL than to click on a banner ad. So, I mean, that says a lot about paid social. You know, you can, you can make a sale through targeted ads, but that's not how you get a client. Because a client is someone who keeps coming back for more, right? And they're not going to keep coming back for more because you keep retargeting them with ads. They will keep coming back for more because you've built with them a relationship of trust and they trust you as a marketer or as a salesperson, or they trust your company. And ultimately, because of that, they'll trust your product too. And this new generation, they are much more inclined to buy a product from you because you share your values, because they, they share the same values as you, than they are because you've got the best product on the market or because you've got the best sales pitch. That's not how you get Gen Z. You get Gen Z by looking at what values they treasure and rethinking what can my company do to fit within the value zeitgeist that's out there. So how can we become better, more helpful, more useful? How can we do good? Because that ultimately is, one, is what will get Gen Z to wear the shirt. You know how, remember how we in the 90s kids, I don't know if you're a 90s kid, but I was a 90s kid. And for me, 98. I chose a brand. Eh, that's fine. That All works, right. I guess. Okay. Late 90s. Uh, but I was a 90s kid, and for me, brands were, you know, I I loved the brand because the tone of voice of the brand or the advertorials of the brand or even the color palette or the logo of the brand kind of fitted who I, the, the image I had of myself, so my, my identity in a nostalgic way. You know, it kind of helped me construct my personality or fit within my the, my idea of me. And that was because back then, my relationship with brands, our relationship with brands was a one-way street, right? Brands shouted what they were, 
and we could either look at it and adapt it to what we were and it either fit or it wouldn't fit, right? And that's how we wore the shirt and that's how we sort of made a brand part of our life. Now with social media and Gen Z has grown up with this, it's a two-way street, it's a dialogue. So brands are talking, yes, but people are talking back. So they expect a quid pro quo. They, they will wear the shirt of the brand if they see themselves reflected in the dialogue in the relationship. And that's the, that trust bit that I keep talking about. It is, it is on brands now to do the best they can to feature on tomorrow's nostalgia. And it's not an easy feat, but it can be done. But it won't be done with logos. It won't be done with uh, adverts. It won't be done with big Super Bowl ads. Although that you know serves a purpose and it will serve a purpose in the future, but that's not how you feature on tomorrow's nostalgia. You will do that by finding your smallest viable audience, creating a real connection, a real relationship with them, and then pivoting and then expanding. And they will help you do that because those people will be the people who will integrate your workforce with passion. They will be the consumers who will spread your brand through word of mouth. And word of mouth is still amazing. Amazing, incredibly powerful. And they will ultimately be the people who invest in your company because people no longer invest in your company just with a, with a, a, the profit in mind. But right now, investors are activist investors. They also have values and, and beliefs. So you need to take all of that into consideration as a brand. I feel like you have given brands a masterclass right now in the past five minutes, especially that last part. So, you know, hats off to you on on your perspective and, and how you look at what social is and how we can really be leveraged properly. And I think one thing that you said that really stuck out to me is that people on social, the consumers, the communities, they're they're talking back, right? And something that I say a lot, I know on my side, and I truly believe is that brands are not listening and they're not taking the time and seeing the value and engaging back with their audiences and, and showing up where they are and being a part of those conversations. Because um, I know firsthand how important that is. And obviously, you know, you believe in that too. But why would you say a lot of brands and even some of the, the largest ones in the world you see barely respond back? to their communities on their socials. Why do you feel like that's the case? Lack of resources and lack of awareness. And I think the two are tied together very closely because the lack of resources comes from a lack of awareness because they don't realize the importance, the, the true ROI of listening to what's happening on social media and the ROI, not just in terms of selling product, but to, like I said, to every single department in the company, you know, the way HR can learn about the culture of the company because, you know, as we know, your brand is not what you tell your customers, it's what your customers tell each other. So you need to be listening to social media to actually know what your brand is, right? Who you are as a brand is what's happening there. So that just, the value in that is tremendous. And the value in, in you know, listening to what your competitors are doing, listening to what your customers think of you, listening to what your employees believe your culture is and what, their, what your pain points are as a company. Like the ROI in that is tremendous, but because of the lack of awareness from senior leadership, 
they don't pour enough resources into social media and they don't give social media a seat at the table and they should. And not all brands, some brands do it very well and some brands are very much aware of that, but, but definitely it's not, I wouldn't say it's the majority right now, not yet. Um, so I think it's that, I think it's a mixture between uh, lack of resources and lack of awareness. You, you hit on consumers and just the role that consumers play in, in social media and their interest in products and being a client, a true client. And it's funny, Anthony and I are having this conversation earlier where when we want to go out and buy something, we're going to do our research. We're going to ask our peers, ask our friends. And, and really, you can go to social media, you can go to the internet for that, but people trust people. And so as mm -hmm. influencer marketing and the business that we're in continues to evolve and continues to grow, do you find that this method of activating talent and activating influencers is a good avenue to gaining the trust of the product itself or of the brand itself? Or do you find that most consumers are gaining trust in the influencer and that relationship is what brings them interest to the product? I think that might be a little bit of a loaded question there, but I'm going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say yes. I, I agree with you. I think that, uh, I think that ultimately um, a celebrity influencer won't be the one that builds that relationship of trust for you because you know if you let's take i was i was a guest in the podcast not too long ago and i was uh and, and the, the guy who was interviewing me was asking was saying that his company uh had this uh webinar right arranged this webinar with this company and uh they were the company was adamant that they needed a uh a big influencer in the industry to host a webinar. And then in the end, uh, when they surveyed the people who attended the webinar, all they talked about was the big industry influencer and how that was a great chat. So that certainly increased the, the level of trust and the relationship of trust of the audience with that celebrity influencer or that industry influencer, but not necessarily with the brand. And that's because it's fine to use influences with purpose for big campaign activations. And I'm going to give the example of, um, of Colin Kaepernick with it, with, and, and Nike. I know that's, that, that fits within the, the Nike purpose and the Nike sort of mission and their values. So that was actually, that was an important celebrity influencer campaign because it spoke to more than product. It spoke to ethos, right? It spoke to values. So that was, oh, there you go. So that was very, very important. And, I, and that was very, very successful. So brands can still do that, but they have to do it in an authentic way. They cannot look as, at influencers as, oh, this person has a large network around them. Let's pay them to sell our product. I mean, that's not the right way to do things. Uh, the right way to do things is, for instance, the way Google used, I don't know if you're familiar with, um, you know, news around the, the, the UK, but, uh, but Google did this really, uh, this really touching advert with, uh, with a, a very famous uh, footballer here who was, who was very active in um, donating uh, to children who were um, deprived of uh, school meals. So he did this incredible campaign. He was known for it. He was all over the news. Google thought, you know, this is a good opportunity for us to do some good and for us to be involved and be helpful. 
And they got, it wasn't like they paid a celebrity influencer. No, they cooperated. They created a relationship with him. And both of these entities, you know, the influencer who's doing the charitable work and who has a purpose and a mission and the company who sees that purpose and that mission uh, reflected in their own ethos and their work and their own passion, they work together. And that synergy is very powerful. So there is, there is room for influencer campaigns, but it's not in the traditional sense of let's find a, a you know a Kardashian on Instagram to to push our product. And the Kardashians have they you know to their merit they, they they did it very well. But I'm not sure we need another Kardashian, and I'm not sure we need to keep pushing that uh, that way of doing things. Uh, you know what? I I cannot agree more. And um, I think if you look around, a lot of the influencer marketing you know, media outlets and sites that are out there and even ourselves here internally at, at CEG, you know, looking at more of long-term value partnerships um, mm -hmm. between influencers, content creators, and brands and long gone should be the days of another one-off, um, you know, 24-hour story or, you know, a temporary post that gets taken down after a certain amount of hours uh, due to, you know, contract negotiation. So, definitely on the same page here. And I think this, this talk so far has just been loaded with value. Um, so moving on to something that, you know, we love to ask our guests, you know, towards the end of the show is what's the realest piece of advice you have for people in or thinking about starting a career in social media? I think you have to have a genuine interest in people. You have to be inherently curious. And if you're not, or if you think you're not, I, would, I wouldn't say you need to sort of give up and think of a different career. I would say put an effort in it, you know? Look at the people around you with a special focus on those that don't think the same way you do and that have different opinions and different uh, personalities as you and try and find a commonality and try and find something that's interesting in them because that exercise will make you a better human, more empathic, more curious of what makes people people. And it will ultimately increase your love and interest in everyone. And I think for you to work in social media, you have to have a genuine interest in everyone and in opposing views, in different uh, cultures, in different uh, voices, in, you know, with all the talk of diversity and inclusion, it's absolutely, it's vital. And it is not present anywhere as strongly uh, uh, and as magically as it is on social media. Social media is the true melting pot. So have a genuine interest in that. And for, for the beginning of your career, and I guess that's the same advice I give if people are starting a new job or it's listen, lurk, you know? I know that social media lurkers had a bad rap. Oh, those people who are there just to, you know, just to read and they never participate. That, that's not the case anymore. Lurkers are awesome because lurkers are the ones that so they're, they're there to learn. 
you know, to, to improve, to read about new ways of thinking, to better themselves. That Those are the ones that have a, an actual interest in people other than just shouting their view of the world or shouting their opinion. So, and when you do have something to say, say it in a in an open way. Be, invite others to disagree with you uh, respectfully because I feel like, and again, this is my intuition, I feel like the zeitgeist is now inviting, uh, especially on Twitter, um, since the political environment in the United States changed slightly, I feel like Twitter is a new platform. And I was away for, from it for, for a long time because it just didn't, it, it was... It, <sighs> It, it it didn't fit my values and it didn't fit my way of being in the world. But now it's I now that I'm back, I'm finding it an incredibly welcoming, collaborative, supportive community. And I'm really glad I'm back. So social media is turning a page and it is no longer that negative and polarized place it was a while ago. So let's all work together to to continue that trend. Yeah, we're we're glad you're back too. I know I appreciate all the insight that you give on social media. And as Anthony and I often say, we're in the re relationship business, relationship first, business second. And you talk about building a community. If people want to be a part of your community and follow you, where can they find you on social media? They can find me either on Twitter, DG on social, or on LinkedIn. And that they'll have to 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 actually uh, learn how to spell my name, which is uh, which is a slightly more difficult task. Uh, but yeah, um, I'm Duarte Rido on uh, on LinkedIn, and uh, and those are my two favorite platforms. And that leads me to my final piece of advice, really, which which is you don't need to be everywhere. Choose the platforms that suit you, and uh, and where you find your your best communities of support, and that make you happy in the end, and uh, stick with them. That is amazing advice. And I think that um, after this episode, everyone's going to know how to spell your name and <laughs> they'll remember your name for a very long time. We want to thank you so much for for being a guest on, on Talk That Talk, powered by Central Entertainment Group, DG. Thank you so much. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks, Ali. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Take care. Take care.